0: Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strivel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. On those that could not come, those that are sick, in the hospital, may they know your guiding hand, may they rely upon thee as you would have them to do, help us all to cast our cares upon thee, realizing that you do care for us. We just pray, Lord, that we can each day of our lives claim thee as our shepherd in a way acceptable unto thee. Help us now as we endeavor to uh, understand your word and talk about it. Help us to worship you and praise you tonight as we should. Whatever might come in our mind or be before us that would hinder a true worship service, Lord, help that to be removed to your glory and for our good. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do pray, and amen. Tonight, I want to endeavor to finish up the sayings of Jesus in John chapter 3. I feel that I would be pleasing to God if I could preach through verses 14 through 22 tonight. Discuss that the best that I know how by the Spirit of God. The first thing that I want us to remember is that all the evidence is that Jesus Christ could have brought all Jerusalem, all Palestine, all the people that lived in the Promised Land down to his feet, he could have had. He could. Have, I, I could not imagine anyone not uh being willing to follow Jesus Christ if he'd wanted him to. He had everything it takes to be a big crowd gatherer. If that's all it had been to him, and of course, if he'd have been a natural man, he couldn't have performed some of the things that he did. Uh, but even if he, uh, a man of uh, that has some kind of a little extra about him is he generally uses that to get people to follow him. You need to really get that into your mind. Jesus could have brought all Palestine down to his feet. But as he went along, he ended up with 11 men. Now, that wasn't because he couldn't have had more. It was because that he told them the truth all along. And the further he went, the more truth he revealed. And the more piercing it becomes, it removed all the folly away from life. It removed uh, all the natural thinking. It, uh, they soon found out that, well, he's probably going to stop feeding us. He's probably stopping the miracle. So we uh, just can't follow him any longer. So the day we live in, we believe that if Jesus is here, he'd have everybody traipsing around after him. The scriptures do not bear that out. The only people that would be following Jesus Christ in this day would, if He is here, would be born again people that stayed around Him to gain some information that led them to believe that this is our Messiah. He's really going to die for our sins and we want to be around Him and praise His holy name. And I don't know of anything in all the world that will bring a more rebellion more hard things said about you, and a greater misunderstanding in what I preached to you about this morning. People hate you for that. They'll hate you for it. Uh, if you really want to separate the men from the, uh, from the boys and the women from the girls, you just go around advocating what I preached to you this morning. People hate that. A most born-again, no... No no one that's not born again will have that, and most of the people that are born again will not have that. But I feel like this is a a little later on, it gets further along here, and Jesus is going to develop his thinking further. The great multitude that's been following him is going to say, this is a hard saying. Who can bear it? And the Bible is going to bring out the fact that they turned and walked with him no more. And then the spokesman for 11 peoples, uh, Jesus turned to them and uh, the ones that have been following along uh, down to 11 people now. And uh, uh, he, he said, Well, are you going to go with them? Are you going to leave too? Now, the reason that that there's not more born-again people that will even uh, listen at you a second time like what I preached on this morning is simply because that they're unwilling to make a search of the Scripture to see whether those things be so or not. And all the churches in the New Testament, it just it just said about one of them that they went home and searched the Scriptures whether those things be so or not. If you want to preach that Jesus jumped out of a sycamore tree and broke his left finger on his right hand, you're not generally called into question. So that's the way it is, and we all know that. So what I'm, going to, what I'm going to preach to you tonight is unaccepted by all people that are not born again, and 99% of those that are born again will reject what I'm going to preach to you tonight. Oh, uh, I, I, There's some other things that we need to, to, to discuss just a little bit. The King James Version is not inspired. If you can see that, you can have a lot better understanding of the Bible. The, the, the Bible of men that was uh, inspired to write under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God wrote in the Greek language. Well, now, when men translated that from the Greek language into the English, was not inspired. They're not inspired men. The King James Version is not an inspired volume, but it is taken from that which was inspired. We don't even have the original on record. But we have some real old manuscript that's safe and sound. We do not have to be afraid. But this but this but the but the versions that we read was translated with a free will aspect. That's why it's so hard to understand. It sounds like here in John three sixteen that God Almighty or Jesus Christ loved everybody. And if you just believe him, he'll save you. That's what that sounds like that meant. It's translated from the original with a free will slant. That he's just trying to save everyone. And in some of these words that are Greek, there's two or three different meanings. And of course, if you believe that God loved everybody, you would use the one that suited you best, wouldn't you? Listen to all the trouble that we have. But I'm going to preach to you that John 3.16 tonight did not say that God loved everybody and would save everybody if everybody would believe. And because that everybody is not believing, God is quite dissatisfied. I don't believe that. But but people hate that. And they will not love you. And it's uh, it's one of the most uh, rebelled against teachings in all the earth. And uh, the ones that believe it gets a, sometimes appears that we get ashamed to say anything about it. So the the thinking is taken over in the land that, well, it don't make much difference where you belong. We're all working for the same place. I, I deny that statement, that the family of God don't work for eternal life. The family of God does not work for the things that gets them into heaven. The family of God works because he that worked in us gives us a life whereby that we can work. And if God never did do that, no one could ever do a thing in the world to please him. That's the truth in my in my belief. But that's hated. You'd be called upon from every corner to debate that. Uh, now, that's really what it's all about. So when I hear a person say that it don't make much difference with all working for the same place, I know that there's a person that really believes that his salvation depends upon his vote. That is, God voted and the devil voted. Now, sinner... You have a deciding vote. Which way, which side of the ballot are you going to get on? Well, it's not that way, in my belief. So, but it's a hard matter. You have to study, and you have to. Uh, you know, God, I don't know. I don't. some things that I cannot understand myself. I don't understand myself really how that I only by the mercies and grace of God that I now believe like I believe, because by my by my nature. By my own nature, the one that I was born with, I feel like that God ought to get down on my level and do things ever like, I, like I want him to do and have a plan of salvation that everybody can respond to and, and, uh, and just get it down on where human beings can think like God thinks. But I read in the Bible, one of my pet scriptures, that God said, that my as the heavens are higher than the earth, are my ways your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts, saith the Lord. And now, then, I, I said Isaiah 55, verses to89, and 9. And then, in, uh, and, and Paul, uh, in Romans 11, he talks about that the wisdom of God is unfathomable. It cannot be, a, you cannot know the depth of it. it is, uh, how, un, how unsearchable are his riches and his ways past finding out. That's the way that Paul states this. So, any time that you've got a plan of salvation that everybody can understand the first time you teach it, you must have the wrong one. Uh, but, but the reason that everyone rebels against about a plan where that God's thinking is not like our thinking is because they think that God is unjust. That kind of a person don't think it. God hates anything. Uh, but God does hate an awful lot of things. And the wrath of heaven comes down upon them. And the only reason that anyone is going to be delivered from the wrath to come, is because God, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, come and died for those that he loved. That the objects of his love might have that salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. A salvation that God planned before the world was. And he planned every bit of it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing in what the man could do, because he's dead in trespasses and in sin. He's in a life that he cannot share with God. Let me ask you, did you share your sinful thoughts with anyone this week that you had? Well, of course you didn't. When Adam and Eve sinned, they couldn't even share their thoughts with God anymore. So you men, if you lusted after a woman, did you share that sinful thought with anyone? You can't share sin. That's why we can't go to God. Sin has separated us. We came. we're afraid of God. Adam and Eve run off out in the woods and hid their sails. But up to that time, they had been meeting with God around that tree, where that they eat to refresh their sails, to keep on living. There they commune with God, talk with him in all confidence. That was the height of their day. to meet there as God would come in that, in that garden, uh, and walking through there, it wasn't on feet, but he traveling, they heard his voice. And he would be coming to them, and there he would talk to them. But actually, sin, that's what death is. Death is being separated from God. No fellowship. You're even ashamed to tell him what you thought. You're even ashamed to tell your neighbor what you thought. No one on earth can share sin. So that's why, that God in grace, that's why it's called mercy. God in mercy sent Jesus Christ to die for the objects of his love. And that's also why, uh, beloved, that everyone is not working for the same place. God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, worked that you and I might live. But after that God works in us through a new life, both to will and to do, makes us a good tree, then we're called upon to produce God's uh, good fruit. Not to get to be God's child, but because God in mercy through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit has made us that. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. It's not, it's not, unto, it's not unto good works that we might be created like Jesus. It's not that way. Now, the things that I'm talking about to you tonight, when you found, if you, if you got together, <clears throat> a bunch of uh, uh, supposedly believers... And you trying to get that over them, they'd smirk in your face. They'd say, that's splitting hairs. That's old so timing. And I, 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 God just be unjust to have it like that. But God is not unjust. And I'll tell you, the only hope that I have of living in heaven with anyone that I've had a close relationship in this life, is my little grandson come up and sit down for me tonight about a five or ten seconds, the only hope that I have is sitting down in heaven with that little boy is not what me and him's going to do, but what Jesus Christ the Lord has done for us. And I thank Him so much for it. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ's righteousness. And then that song goes ahead to say that everything else is like sinking sand. Then that's why the Bible tells me that even our works is as filthy rags before God. That don't mean that God does not ask us to work for him. That does not mean that I cannot do something pleasing to God. But it means, if Jesus had not done something for me, there's no way on earth for me to please God. Now then, as Moses, this is in verse 14 of our study, and I hope to get through verse 21. I hold this dear to my heart. That's why I'm a primitive Baptist. And I thank God so much for leading me to this place. And I thank God so much for letting me understand what I try to talk about, about salvation. Salvation by grace. That means, in in my terminology, salvation with good works excluded from it 100%. That the good works comes in after that God saves us. That's what that means to me. So here Jesus is telling Nicodemus that Nicodemus, God, must do something for you. He must not only forgive you of your sins, He must just clean you up. He must get all of that. He must make you white before Him. He must wash your sins away. That's what calling being born again is. Born from above. Never to be unborn. Never to lose what this life gives me. Now I may lose some blessings, through disobeying God is his child, but I can never lose this life. I didn't gain it. God give it to me. That's my inheritance. I give unto them eternal life. So this is what we're trying to talk about tonight. <clears throat> so I'm not going to tell you now that God loves everybody and he's doing all he can to save them, but they're bigger than God. And so they won't let God, and God's in heaven tonight crying over the situation. I don't get that out of these verses. Well, now we're going to start and try not to rehash any more that we've said. It stand up As Moses As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's talking about, as far as I'm concerned, Jesus is telling Nicodemus about his death. I must be lifted up. I will be the true object of faith. Faith anywhere else will be vain and void. And then that lie through the spirit is going to take what Jesus Christ done and apply it to your life, where you can feel that cleansing, where you can feel that you have the right to have the name of Jesus upon your lips to go to Him in prayer. Talk to Him. Belong to the church. Be baptized. Work. Work. But first of all, we are His workmanship. That's what Brother Wallace believed. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life, born again. Born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish,
1: but have
0: everlasting life. There's three things. I want to talk about that. Uh, uh, I want to talk to you about the nature of God's love. Uh, That's what I want to talk to you first about that. And then I want to talk to you about the evidence of God's love or the results of the manifestation of God's love. And then I want to talk to you about the objects of God's love. This and more is in this verse here. And let's remember now. In St. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21, the, the subject is never changed. The subject matter is that God is telling Nicodemus that you've got to have a life from heaven to even see, perceive, understand the kingdom of God. You've got to be, you've got to have your sins washed away, and in verse 5, to, 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 to uh, enter into it. Uh, uh, and to its work and feel a part of it, really to be a part of it. Then he goes ahead to try to develop that. And then, Daniel, where we at tonight, the subject matter has not changed. The first thing we want to talk about in John 3.16 is the nature of God's love. God so loved. Now, the magnitude of God's love is in that verse, of course, how much God loved the greatness of His love, the immensity of His love is in that verse, of course. But I don't believe that's I don't believe that's the the leading thought in it. And when you go and study, you get you a a, a Greek lexicon they call it. That's a book uh, you get and you, and it it has a Greek word in there and then it have have the side of that for the English uh, don't know Greek. It'll tell you what uh, uh, that Greek word means in English. And sometimes it has more than one, uh, uh, one meaning. So, when you go and study and look at what that word, so, God, so, and that's, that's, I believe that's the way that, that, uh, that God inspired men to say it, God, so, love. Well, well, what does that word, what did, what did those Greeks have in mind, uh, when they used that word, so? What did those men who was inspired to write have in mind when they used that word? So, I want to talk about that first, this word, so, Means thus. Thus are in that way. What he's saying here, that, that God loved, thus are in a particular way. is what the, the thought is being conveyed here tonight. Or in this, or in this, uh, saying here, God so loved. The nature of God's love. The way that God loved. God so loved in this way is the thought that, that I believe this writer is conveying. God loved in this way. God in this way, in this particular way loved the world. God in this particular way loved the world. You know, all through the Bible, it's always talking about the followers of Christ as a unique people, a special people. They're the elect of God. They're designated as believers. They're designated as a disciple. They're designated as the peculiar people of God. That's the way it's always. And through the Bible, when we can see it as it is, he's saying that God, in a particular way, loved them. Now, brother, you need to come to me tonight and tell me that I don't love my children in a particular way different than I do yours. You need to expect me to believe that tonight, because I do. I love my children in a particular way. You need to tell me you don't either, because Brother Wallace wouldn't believe it. If you don't love your children in a particular way, different from anyone else's children on this earth, there's something wrong with you. <clears throat> ain't Ira don't never come to see my grands- grandson when she's feeling bad? But ain't Ira go to Tupelo to see her granddaughter even when she's feeling bad because she loves her in a peculiar way, particular way? That's mine. God has a people that belong to him. It says, and even in the Old Testament, we've all the time hearing this, about if, if, you know, somebody will pray, but listen how that starts off. Here's how it goes. God says this, For if my people, for if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I'll hear from heaven and I will heal their land. That's a special group. So God, in this particular way, loved the world. In other words, it's saying here that God had a special respect for someone. Anyone that any... If you love someone special, you have a respect for them. God had a respect for his people uh, not only that in this verse, joy, love, uh, real love, has a joy towards its object. God has a joy in this particular love that He has for the object of His love. God has had a sacrifice provided for the object of His love. God so loved that He give, said, in this special way, God provided a sacrifice for this group of people. My people. My people that I chose before the world was. My people that I chose in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ before the world was. These special people that I chose in the work of Christ in heaven before I made the universe. I love them in this special, peculiar way is what God so loved means. It don't mean that God so loved everybody in doing the best he can thereafter. That's not what that's saying. Now then, if you got in a Greek lexicon and studied that, you'd find out the word "soul" its first meaning was exactly what I've said, in that way. That's what it, as far as I'm concerned, that's what the inspired writers meant when they said, God so loved. They meant that God so loved in a particular, special, in this way, the world. All right? Then we'll talk about the world here for a little bit as we pass along and, uh, and see what we can make out of that. God so loved the world. Here in this, word, in this verse here, the word world designates the object of God love a certain people chosen by God for salvation. That's what that word world means there. I want to look at that now. Uh, four other places beside the ones that we've used here uh, and, and, and then you just have to accept that are rejected. I may turn to some of them and I may not. <clears throat> the next place, that I, let's remember that one now, that God... So love the world. The world there designates the objects of God's love. My people, my elect, believers, saints of God. John three sixteen. Then in John three uh, seventeen, it says here that God sent His Son to save His chosen people. But it used the word world. We'll just read that in John three seventeen, we write there. It. Here's what it said. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, the way that, that, now the way that that's interpreted generally is uh, that God sent his Son in among mankind to die for him and that all out of that can be saved that will accept him. But here's what that's saying, that God... For God sent not his son into the world or 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 or, or come or sent him to, him to the chosen people to condemn his chosen people. He didn't send him for that. Jesus Christ did not come to condemn God's chosen people. Well, why didn't he? Friends, they was condemned before he ever left heaven. The world ain't getting condemned. And the only person that will never be condemned is of those that's in Christ. If you don't believe that, you read Romans eight eight one. Let's just turn and read that right now uh, uh, to, to see what that says. Romans Romans eight one. You You're already condemned. So he didn't send he didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. He or or, or, or to condemn the object of his love. He sent Jesus into the world to get them out from under that condemnation. And when Jesus died for them, the elect of God is no longer under that condemnation of sin. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. See, we just got to learn. We won't. We, we'll know whether we believe the truth or not to a large degree, I, I believe. So no, Jesus, God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn it. Is condemned already and would have ever stayed that way separate and apart from the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But for the ones that God chose in Christ before the world was, He died for, and there is there now no longer any condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But well, what does that mean in Christ Jesus? That simply means that God, just like Ephesians said, according as He has chosen us in Him before the world began. Now that just simply means that God, God had a plan. He had a plan to save His people in the midst of their downfall, when He would bring through sin that. Every human being would be condemned. So God, Jesus, don't come for that. It's already that. Jesus comes to get someone out from under it. the thing that sends anyone to torment is condemnation. You can't get yourself out from under it. There's just one thing that can relieve you of this condemnation, and that is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God didn't send Jesus to the object of his love, to condemn the object of his love, but that through what Jesus done, the object of his love might be saved. But he calls it a world. just means every kind of people. They some black, they some red, they some brown, they some white. God's got a people in every nation, kindred people and tongue, and they're not under the condemnation that sends people to hell because... God sent Jesus to get them out from under it. And God loved them in this way. ...and offering to get him out from under their condemnation that they themselves couldn't get themselves out from under Nicodemus, you must have something that God has. And he loved in such a way to give it to his people. Thank you, Lord, for such love that's beyond my wildest imagination. <laughs> that's a hateful doctrine to everyone that is not born again in most people at all suppose friend that God has given everybody a shot at it they're absolutely unable to do anything to help themselves I ask you to not what a bad would that have been <laughs> if a man let's just say that I love him I can't climb I don't love to climb and He hangs it up in the top of a tree that I can never get to and tell me if you'll reach it you can have it well, that's like God sending Jesus and dying for our sins and me being under condemnation that I can't do anything anyway I'm separated from God and then telling me that it's yours and you can have it if you want it and there's no way on earth for me to reach it that's what it amounts to but God has done some way. Not only that he gave it to me, but he provided a way for it to be applied to my life. That's what he's telling Nicodemus. The work of Christ must be applied to the elect of God that I chose before the world was, and there's no way for them to do it. But I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and apply that work to their lives, that they might be with me forever and forever and forever. That's the way the little babies get saved. That's the way that people who don't have a good mind get saved. Baby, little baby not getting saved in the power of And a person that grows up and never has a sound mind, he don't get to heaven because of oh, you unaccountable. That's not it. He gets to heaven through a plan of God that's steadfast and is sure as Jesus Christ himself. And God loved in this way. God so loved that he sent a sacrifice in that way. Oh, the mysteries of God. I don't understand even what I'm saying. My ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. God says that I devised a plan in heaven before you ever lived that you cannot understand but I'll fix you where you can believe it. But you have to study to know the truth of it. And if you don't, In all probability, you're going to believe error and get something on your level and then tell how ungrateful I am by the true plan and how unjust I was and God's not fair. He's the most fair, he's the fairest of ten thousands of my soul. He's not only like that, but he's fair and just, even saving one human being that went under that condemnation through Adam, our own works as well. Sinful nature. Separated from God. Let me ask you again. Have you shared your sin with anyone this week? Well, if you hadn't shared your sin with anyone this week, I know you didn't. I'm talking about a human being. Then I know you wouldn't share it with God. But isn't it wonderful that I can share my sin with God? I go to Him and I say, God, I sin today. And I go to Him unafraid. Knowing He's going to hear me. And after I confess it, I'm going to be able to feel like in John 1, 7, that the blood of Jesus Christ keeps cleansing me from my sin. And I can thank him for being my Heavenly Father. You know how I do that? And sure wasn't because I accepted him one day. It's because of he gave me eternal life and fixed me to where that I could have that privilege of using the throne of grace. I never do, you don't ever accept anything about eternal life. That's just like accepting the wind. God gives it to you. And then you hear the gospel. The Holy Spirit will bear. As you have that life, the Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. And you have every right to have King Jesus' name upon your lips. And there's ain't nobody wanting to have King Jesus' name upon their lips. But what can happen? Nobody wants to go to heaven while I get to go. Nobody's left out it wants to get in. But nobody wants to go, wants to get in, except those that God has given life. And without that, I'll tell you exactly. I'm going to tell you pictures in the Bible, in, in Peter's writing. It's about an old hall. And people got out of the mar and washed her up. And undoubtedly, I'll put a red ribbon around her neck and perfumed her goods. And turned her loose. And Peter describes that about people uh, that... Uh, that they're trying to get to heaven by their own work. And uh, they're trying to get to heaven and had nothing done in their in their polluted nature. And he said after that he said it's like this that it's like the sow that returns to her wallow and like the dog that returns to her bummer. He talks about imposters, even preachers that preaching that's not even born again, that don't even love God, if it wasn't for what they're getting out of it personally, they'd think it's like an old sow, in or out of the wild. Fire, take some Ajax. Wash her up. Put good perfume on her. But turn her loose, and she'll go back to that watering hole. Why will she go back? Because you didn't do nothing on the inside of her. Why did the person to come to God? Confess his sin. Tell him he's a sinner. Feel sin. Feel the piercing effects of it, and cry to God for mercy. Why did he do that? It's because that he has been born of God. Friends, there'll be a day you'll sing out in heaven if you belong to God. You may detest it in this life. It may make you mad. But there'll be a day coming when you will confess to God that his salvation was 100% by his grace. And everything that you've done, you've done it because he blessed you to do it. You will not take no credit in heaven whatsoever. And you'll never have the opportunity to walk up to God and tell him when you let him save you will never get to do that. But you will get to go up and thank God for saving you, and thanking you for washing you water and snow by his blood, and giving place perfectly in heaven. You will have that and say, God, I thank you for loving in that way. So God loved in that way, and he loved his people. And it's called the world here in John, in some places. So that's what he's talking about here in John one seventeen. He's talking about the chosen people of God, but he but he calls them a world. And then uh, it says here that God's Son is the Savior of God's chosen people. John four forty two. John four forty two. There that word world comes into view again. And said unto the woman, now we believe not because of of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now now the only way that can be true is to say it this way. Let just read the whole thing again. And said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of God's chosen people. Believers. In John 129, in that verse it says that Jesus is going to be the Savior, he said in that verse that He's going to wash our sins away, he's going to take our sin guilt away. John 129. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of God's chosen people, the sin of the world. That's why I say it in Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no more condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. But why? Because Jesus Christ has removed their sin guilt. <coughs> I want to read you another place that I won't read any more. There's one in John six John six thirty three has the same idea that that uh, Jesus gives life unto the world. It says there, meaning more than that you must be born again by God, and it's through Jesus Christ that God gives all the life to his chosen people. That's all in the world that that means in my interpretation of the Bible. But I want to read you what G. E. Ladd said. He's a modern day uh, uh, theologian. <clears throat> what I say in modern day, he lived in my time. He's still living, and I don't even know whether he's a Baptist or not. But I want to tell you about what G. E. Ladd said about these five scriptures that I have read to you about here, or three or four of them that I read, and, and about John six thirty three. Uh, I want to read you what he said about it. Now, I wanted to get someone that wasn't a, a Baptist to make some comment on that. Most, commentator, most commentators that write, uh, here's what they say about the verses I'm talking you about tonight, that God so loved, that shows uh, the immensity of his love, how much did God love the world, that's every human being. And that if you just believe, God will save you. That's what every one of them said. But here's what G.E. Lad said, and of course the reason I like that is because I believe he said the truth about it. Nevertheless, here is what uh, he has to say. These sayings, now these sayings are these five verses I read to you about here about Jesus Christ being the Savior of the world. Here's what he said about them. These sayings carry no distinctive universalistic emphasis. He's saying that that God just universally loving every he said that's not the emphasis that it has, these have no distinctive universalistic emphasis, but merely designed, uh, but, but merely designate, uh, 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 mankind at large as the object of God's love. Part of what these verses do is this, that they said that God loved in this way. They had, He has some people, among the Jews, and he has some people among the Gentiles. He has some people in every nation, kindred people and tongues. And God sent his son, sent a sacrifice for the removal of their sin, their condemnation, that they might receive his salvation through eternal life to live with him forever and forever. The Bible never does teach about in this life, in the life to come. It's not that way. You get eternal life now and experience it in a more abundant way in the next age. But here, the Bible does talk about ages. It talks about some people uh, that, that cannot be forgiven in this age or in this world in the world to come. That in this age, and the age to come is the age that we're now living in. But this age will be stopped one time. And all the impurities will be burnt out. And then a glorious new age will begin. So, we have eternal life now. We get out from under condemnation now. We have the removal of sin guilt now. We have eternal life in us. bearing witness with our eyes, with our spirit, that we are the children of God. Jesus Christ said, I quote this morning, I come that you might have life but you might also have it more abundantly. Eternal life just will be more glorious and radiant, Learning more, living with God forever and forever. How do you get that way? It was because that God loved in this way. God so loved. God so loved in this way that he sent a sacrifice his only begotten son that the objects of his love might not perish in condemnation, but that they might receive or be born from above, therefore one day meeting Jesus Christ in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. In my my understanding, that is salvation by grace, the unconditional kind. verse 18, we've read, it is said up here, in verse 17, we've read that. <coughs> no, I uh, may not, uh, if I don't get through this, I'll probably will not try to keep you in it next Sunday. But we need to look at this whosoever will, just whosoever, please just a little bit, that whosoever believeth. That word just sounds like it, that God just told the gate open and says, you can walk in if you want to. If you don't, don't blame nobody but yourself. I made a way. That's what it seems like, whatsoever, that uh, whosoever, that whosoever believed it. That's what that word sounds like. This is the object. But, uh, let me say about this number two was the evidence of God of love. The manifestation of God's love is found in that God so loved the world that He sent Jesus. A sacrifice, that's how that God, uh, love in this way. He sent Jesus a sacrifice. And then we get down to the object of his love has to do with this word, whosoever, whosoever, whosoever believes it, whosoever. <clears throat> About the first meaning that you'll come up to, if you've got down this, this book of your head, except you had one, and you've learned how to use it a little, you'll well, a lot of wonder now what that word, what, that whosoever, what, what that man have in mind when he was getting that out of that Greek a long time ago and he translated it where I could say something about it, is, whosoever. What, what, what does that say in the Greek? Well, you got that down and studied a little bit, uh, if you would real that you, you, you come up with something just about like this, uh, that whosoever, it basically says this, those who are of this kind, believe it, Bullets, disciples, saints, children of God, God so loved this way that those who are of this kind, Father that then you've got something to really hang your teeth in. God loved in this way that those of this kind should not perish but be born again. That's what that says. You can go to heaven on that. You can rest with it. It makes sense. It keeps God in the right position. He's got a salvation that I cannot understand. It's not on man's level. It's on God's level, loving in this way that those of this kind might be saved. It's not talking about their active faith that has made them get born again. It's not talking about that. So what you'd be finding then in your study would be those who are of this kind. It has the idea of the only one. It's not just just everybody. It's it's, it's, it's talking about the family of God. The only one, a special group of people, here designated as believers. That's what that's saying. It, it's really the object of God's love. In Acts 9-2, there's a thought there, and a lot of other places in the Bible, uh, Paul in Acts uh, 9-2 is asked for permission to go down, uh, and to bind in prison any that he finds in this way of that time. That means believers going to the church and advocating that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He wasn't going down to get everybody in Damascus. He go going down and asking anybody of this kind. So Jesus Christ comes not to condemn this kind, but to save this kind, to get condemnation out, away from this kind, and to give eternal life to this kind, that this kind might see God in peace. After true. and live, feeling that peace in our bodies, in our bosom, Right now, for now, so that's what uh, whatsoever means. God loves in this way that those of this kind he could receive salvation. Then, in verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. and You can rest assured of that. That will stand the test of time. Any person that can lift up their souls in an of faith to the object, Jesus Christ the Lord, is not condemned. But well, how do you know he's not condemned? Because he took that lie that got him out from under condemnation applied, applied to his own soul before that he could actively believe. He can't take no wonder Paul kept saying, well, I'm just trying to interpret what Jesus said, he that glorieth, let him glory in the law. That's what that's saying. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Friends, it just wasn't cause that he wouldn't believe. He is condemned him for that Jesus Christ ever yes. left heaven. Can you see that tonight? But there is therefore now no condemnation to them of this kind that Jesus comes to save. Oh, yes, friend God's family is something special in him. He loves them better than all. He loves them better than anything. He makes special provision for them. He says, cast your care upon me, for I care for you." So, me and little old James, God, if we ever go sailing through the air to meet King Jesus in the air, we may say in this life and we have faith, and I thank God for it. And we look upon Jesus Christ, just like they did that serpent in the wilderness. Don't look upon Moses. He can't help. You must put your faith in an object. and that through object one day will be manifested Jesus Christ the Lord, and those that can then actively exercise that. They need not believe that they're condemned any longer. Their precious Jesus has done something for them. Then, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, that's Jesus Christ, and men love darkness because they're in sin, because of their nature, love darkness rather than light. uh, let see, that light has come into the world, that men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil, evil, they're so evil they won't confess them to each other, much less to God. Well, let me ask you this question tonight. If God just provided a way and, and didn't do nothing for me, where I could believe in that way. You pray, tell me out of this birth what good it would do me if I'm living in darkness. That means that I'm dead and, fat, 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 and in sin, and I love that, Better than how Jesus tell me how that I'm going to come to it? Well, Jesus wanted Nicodemus to know. That God's going to give eternal life to some special people, the one that he chose before the world walked, that they might bring him honor and glory in this life. This is why the God's way of giving anybody else's way. That's why high polluters has got no claim upon it no more than a pauper. Friends, whether, whether we're a pauper, whether we drive a Cadillac or push an apple cart, we must have a second birthday to enter in of the mighty kingdom of Israel God. Whether you went to a university or you lived in the back alley and smelled its odor all the days of your life, the bank is going to count, not specifically that you accepted Christ, but that God lived in you whereby it that you could do it. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. So here, the reason that men are not going to come to Jesus without being born again because they are in darkness and love the same. Therefore, he says, the subject hasn't changed. Nicodemus, you see now why you got to be born again. Men come here totally depraved. Men live in that condition. They are in darkness. They love that better than they do like. It's dog-eat-dog dog in this old world as Adam had sinned, but God in his way saved people of this kind. They are the objects of his mighty love. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, he that cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light. The only way that anyone can come to the truth is that they work must see God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what I'm reading to you about tonight. In other words, they got to be born again before they can do it. But he that doeth truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrong in God." Nicodemus, there is no way out, only that you are must be born again. Don't let that Don't wonder so much at it. Just see your hecklessness, cry unto God for mercy, if that's the way you feel. Throw yourself upon him, for he cares for you. What I have preached to you this morning and tonight. Is the most hated doctrine in all this world. People, most people years ago discarded it, run away forever, brought God down upon their, on their level. They thanked the preacher and the singing and the praying. Is all that God needs to get eternal life into a person. But I'm going to tell you a person, ten years singing, preaching and praying, all of their life, and when you turn them move. Without eternal life, he just had the sow that went back to her wallard and the dog that returned to his mama. but I'm going to tell you, friends, those that God worked in, both willing to do, let them see the exceeding sinfulness of sin, show them their forward hard pardon, and lost condition, and fixes them What well, they can say, Lord, be merciful unto me a sinner, a believing person, heaven shall be his home, not because he said, Lord, be merciful unto me a sinner, but because eternal life fixed him to where that he could. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you didn't leave your people lost and ruined and under condemnation. Help us! Help us, O Lord, not try to help you with your salvation, just those that are born again. Help us, to live for thee. Help us to encourage others to come and to hear, to come and repent, turn and follow thee. That's what we're supposed to say. And when it happens, help us to cry, and with thanksgiving in our heart one of the most high heavens, Lord, thank you or giving eternal life to brother or sister, so and so, or that little one, wherever it might be. God, we're thankful that this salvation is so powerful that it cannot be thwarted. It's so far reaching that none of your people will be left out. It can reach down into the heart of a little baby or sin upon an old man and get all in between. God thank you for your plan. See, I'm not gonna I cannot ask you to be long suffering without for a human being with such little insight of going around saying that the devil has not the upper hand and you're going to lose a lot in the end. God, it will not be so. Help this church to be a pillow and ground the truth until you come back. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I do pray and amen. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.